Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. You guys just get lost in the woods of Alabama. Have you not seen My Cousin Vinny? This is going to be like a remake. Pat and Pete get arrested in Beecher Pete County. Pete The best you can hope for is to die in a bye week. Is that the new Nebraska refrain? <laughs> with his eyes, Pat Forty. When you go, when you cite the Mike Tomlin line, you're, you're pretty well saying, I ain't leaving. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Welcome to the pod. Thanksgiving week, and we are thankful for all the hate out there. <laughs> all the petty, all the rivalries, all the alums and not even alums, the, the fans that didn't even go to the school of like these, let's just say the states that tend to rank last and near last and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but they attend the universe, they have root for the university of instead of the state state. Right. Uh, And they look down their noses at that. Right. We like that. We like it all. (laughs) We got the egg bowl coming on Thanksgiving night. We are all rooting for dog pee touchdown (laughs) celebration to swing the game and cost like 50 people their jobs. (laughs) This is the weekend. You can throw anything you want in the field. We won't care. We'll support you. Mustard bottles. We want it. Brothers and sisters fighting, house <laughs> divided. We want it all. Border wars. It's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it, Pat? You hate everything. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I embrace the hate. Celebrate the hate. Antic- anticipate the hate. It's everywhere, man. It's, and it's not just the Iron Bowl. It's not just Ohio State, Michigan. It's not just the Egg Bowl. Although, you know, the Egg Bowl kind of is its own haven of crazy. But... I mean, here, Kentucky's playing Louisville in my state, right? It's a big game because they're playing and both teams are pretty good. And now the big, the, the flashpoint, this, you know, there's always a flashpoint, always a, a class warfare thing. The Kentucky, some of the Kentucky fans are saying it's dangerous to go to Louisville Stadium for a night game because that neighborhood's scary. Now all of a sudden we're back in the 60s when that used to be the thing out in the state in Kentucky. You don't want to go to Louisville. It's dangerous there. They have black people there. You know, that, that sort of thing. So it, it never ends. It's always uh, always something to get everybody fired up, riled up. And they're doing it in Eugene, and they're doing it in Stillwater, and they're doing it in Gainesville this week. It's everywhere. I like uh, the Pacific Northwest. The, the Oregon schools have the Civil War. 
Okay. I mean, that's pretty ominous. I think they've banned that term because it's yes. too ominous. Yes. And then the Washington schools have the apple cup. So nice. <laughs> nice apple picking Saturday. Winner gets an apple. They got a civil war and an apple cup. Right? <laughs> apple cup is a apple cup. It is a little too kind and gentle, the apple cup. You know? <laughs> it's not true either. Well, of course not. No. It's not about And that's the like apple if cup. they let them actually swing the axe in the Paul Bunyan axe game between Minnesota and Wisconsin, then then you <laughs> might see some stuff. You know, that Minnesota nice goes out the window when they've lost like 15 of the last 16 or whatever it is to to um Wisconsin. Oh yeah. And I think the the best part of rivalry week, like it's awesome that Ohio State Michigan has these stakes, right? It's awesome that Auburn can ruin Alabama's season and keep them up from the playoff. Like that stuff's awesome. But the best part of rivalry week is the hatred where there really aren't any stakes. You are just showing up to hate the other team because you hate them so much. Like, and you may get to go to the CarQuest Bowl instead of the Weed Eater Bowl if you win. But like, that's real. That's that's the real essence of this rivalry week. And I think the Egg Bowl, which is just this wondrous cauldron of uh, vitriol. <laughs> epitomizes that. But like Washington, Washington State, they hate each other. The Civil War has some stakes th this time. Oregon State can uh, can 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 gum up uh, the Pac-12 North race with uh, an upset. By the way, one they could very well pull too. Um, so, but I just really like, like when you got two seven and four teams or a six and five team just banging around. And that doesn't mean like, because the stakes aren't high, the fans are getting less drunk. And they're going to be less obnoxious. Like it actually like is a, a salute to those fans that they, they they bring it at that level. So I'm saluting the hate in hate week. We're all there for the hate. We're all there for the hate. All right, let's get to some hate. Yeah. This is people, schools that hated their coach so much they fired them. Whether they deserved it or not, whether they have actually any plan to improve, whether they just walked into the to the to the wandering desert of Tennessee football searching for coaches. <laughs> We don't know. I must say, this is going to be the craziest coaching carousel ever in Tennessee somehow is involved. That's a shock. Truly. It's amazing. It's they may get a coach a razor to Sully just for old time's sake. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oklahoma can open up. Chart the, the, the fans yeah. still chart the planes for other schools just out of habit? Yeah, honestly, Vol <laughs> Twitter uh, needs to needs to open up a business. Vol Twitter, Inc. Yeah. And, and, and hunt down planes for, for fellow yeah. college football fans. They can report Gruden, you know, having lunch with somebody somewhere. Yep. Calhoun's yeah, Gruden's true. free. Gruden's yeah. free. Maybe he's at Calhoun's this weekend. <laughs> Probably. Nobody took a picture. With Peyton Manning. Yeah. With Peyton Manning, but nobody snapped the picture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why would anyone notice those two walking in? <laughs> um, Just get a table in the back. <laughs> what if Josh Heupel goes back to Florida? Oh! I'm literally making that up. Yeah, let's make this one up. Here we go, Sully. Lincoln Riley to uh, LSU and Josh Heupel to Oklahoma. And oh. the, Bulls, oh. the Bulls are back on the plane and on the rock writing that they need John Green. Yeah, they, they need – I would turn Nealon into a parking lot at that point for the baseball stadium. <laughs> so he's moved on to baseball. Yep. Nealon's got those weird, like, dorms in it. Like, those weird – like, yeah. these rooms with these windows. It's like, is there ghosts living in there? Who is in there? Oh, no yeah. one's cleaned that place in a while. It's <laughs> definitely odd. Um, all right. What do, what are we hearing for LSU? What do, what do we got? Any Anybody got any – any? If, if let, let's play this game, okay? We don't know. Let's take a guess. If you were to uh, say right now who will be the coach – 
You get one choice. No, I don't want to list about five guys, Pete. One hey. choice. Who is who is? And I'll I'll list off the schools. All right, you guys ready? Yep. Lightning round. Lightning. There's a lot of damn jumps. Not lightning. LSU. Who's going to be the coach next year? Pat. Uh, okay, I'll say this. This was funny. Uh, like two people, you know, that cover the team down there came out with lists Monday, like top three candidates for LSU, and they were both completely different. Six different names. Two lists. <laughs> so I think Scott Woodward's got everybody pretty well bamboozled at this point. Uh, you want one name for LSU? I'm going to give you Dave Aranda, former defensive coordinator there, now the head coach of Baylor. Pete, you go with that, or do you have a different name? Dave Aranda stays at Baylor, and I go with Jimbo Fisher. Really? If only because I have no clue who they hire if they don't hire Jimbo. Like, no clue. Okay. I'm not certain they have one, but I have no idea. I uh, Speaking of rivalry games, we have that game, LSU-Texas uh, A&M. Pacemaker game. Pa- Pacemaker, pacemaker game. game made famous when when someone got punched in the pacemaker if sully ever actually did like a greatest hits of our podcast the pacemaker game i don't oh. know if it'd be like top five but it would definitely be in like the rankings it's it was, up there I, that was steve Cragthorpe, jimbo fisher's nephew and kevin fall kevin fall <laughs> dusting it up i mean yeah after a and, 74 to 72 game it's ridiculous yeah, <laughs> yeah jimbo's nephew punched uh craig thorpe in the uh in the pacemaker and Except it wasn't even th- really a punch. It was just kind of like a push or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't really that hard. And you don't want to fight Kevin Falk. I mean, nope. that's not – don't do that. And, but that was good because that rivalry needed some spice, and there's nothing that spices stuff up like punching a dude in a pacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> After what, six overtimes? Seven, I <laughs> oh think. My. Seven. Yeah. Oh, seven, sorry. I, all right. I think Jimbo stays at Texas A&M. Call me crazy, but I actually believe the guy on this, and I don't know why because that's that, – I'm already regretting saying that. I believe a coach. <laughs> so who it's do you like got? Pat and his picks. Here's he's, the thing. <laughs> I actually looked at his recruiting that he was talking about. I mean, it's really it's good. good. It's very good. It's really getting good. Yeah. And They're the running like, back for Baton Rouge would fall him to LSU. You know what I mean? Like this stuff. I know, but he's he does have, they are turning a corner here. They put a couple of these together and look out. So uh, who are you going know. with, Dan? I know this doesn't fit the Scott. Woodward grab a celebrity coach, but I think I'm going to go with Billy Napier. I just think he's going to end up being the guy who's going to pop over and they're going to go with him. I don't know. Clearly, we have no idea. He's the Billy Napier because of the commute. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I don't know. I got nothing. All right, let's move to Florida. I'm going to say Matt Campbell, the Iowa State coach who has definitely positioned himself by losing many close games to be very available to talk soon. Whew. Yeah, he's he's very available because his team hasn't been very good. Jeez, Louise! I just again, I look. He's done a nice job at Iowa State, but I I do not understand the infatuation. Uh, that's Billy Napier's spot is Gainesville. That's what I think. I I am going with uh, with him ending up there because I think LSU has its sights elsewhere, and so Billy Napier makes the big jump up, Sun Belt to SEC. That would have been my close one B. Like I think that. It's one of those two. I think Matt Campbell goes to Washington. Hmm. That's my guess. I think Matt Campbell's going to go to Washington. It sounds so like we'll a, get... That sounds like a movie. Matt Campbell goes to Washington. Ernest <laughs> Young go. Senator. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Florida, I don't know. Napier is possible there, obviously. I don't think they get Mark Stoops to leave, but I think they make a run at Mark Stoops. But I don't know. This is, this is the tricky, tricky bit of that. I do think they kick, they try to, maybe they, I, 
How about this? I'll make a more interesting pick. I'll say James Franklin. Mm, that, we're, uh... I think James Franklin would be tremendous there. James Franklin has an appetite to recruit. He likes it. And I think that is, you know how they always go, you got an offensive coach and then that's not working, so you can hire a defensive coach. Dan, I, I, if you go too far down the Franklin hole, I, like the compensation committee at Penn State is like meeting now to, I think, approve a new contract for Franklin. So That doesn't mean I, he's going to sign it. No, yes. it does, yes. doesn't mean he's going to sign it. But that's that that could that could take him off the board. It could. Let, let's just say this. This entire segment should be termed irresponsible speculation. <laughs> OK, there we go. Good. Good. I like that. Uh, I can't wait. Like three years from now on Twitter, somebody's gonna be like, you said Matt Campbell is going to go to Florida. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> we are not reporting any of this. We're, yes. just, we're throwing it out there. We're throwing it out there. USC. Who is going to be the USC coach? Oh, remember that program? Jeez. Yeah. Who is going to be the USC coach? I think it's DTR already after he hurdled the whole team last <laughs> week. Oh, oh. <laughs> they could do worse. They have done worse. Pat, you got a choice out there? Uh, this I segment's mean... gone well. This segment's gone well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling. I think they pulled a, like an NFL name out of the hat because I think they've been in – in the mix for some of these coaches we've been talking about. I don't th think Luke Fickle wants to go there. Uh, certainly not this year, not now. So I, I don't know where else they're going to turn. Uh, I don't think you bring Chris Peterson out of retirement. Don't think you bring Bob Stoops. Ah, you know what? I'll say that. Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops to USC. There you go. So I think it's going to be Matt Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> you just hired him off to you had to Florida. I, I, traded him, I traded him for Napier. Napier's going to go to Florida. How <laughs> many jobs can this guy coach? He is a talented dude. He's coaching three teams. <laughs> and drinking that tap. That's why. Yeah. Tap. Yeah. He's going to have that in his contract. He's going to have to have a direct pipeline of tap water from Ames to Los to Angeles. LA. Yes. I think there's a there's like a bagel shop in L.A. that brings their water in from like Brooklyn or something. <laughs> that sounds that would, very L.A. That would figure. Or so they say. And then charge you like $9 for a yeah. bottle of it. Yeah. Mm, that Brooklyn no, 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 the, no. They just use the water to, mm. to cook the bagel. The oh, OK. OK. The water is the, the big thing and with so, the bagel. Yeah. And then the bagels cost eleven fifty instead yes, of yeah, $3. Yes. Some good yeah. rat water from Brooklyn. Love it. <laughs> it it makes like a good LA, bagel, though. They make a good bagel. May not, everybody you know. moves to L.A. and then tries to recreate where they're from, right? You've been <laughs> to Sonny McClain's for Bruins yeah. games, Dan, or Patriots oh, yeah. games, Red Sox games, whatever. Like, oh, yeah. everyone goes to L.A. Bar. to live in this paradise, but they want, like, the Steelers bars in L.A. on Sunday. or It's like, you know, Mardi Gras every week. It's the like, only good part. Go, but, yeah. The only good part of L.A. is the weather. Everything else, like traffic jams and ugly, ugly architecture. And it's like <laughs> they took paradise and just plowed it over. Just not <laughs> ugly women, though, Dan. I know. Yeah. I know you're not. You're usually your head's not on a swivel for that. But they're, you know. Well, um, okay. One I will grant that you that one. Tends not to be ugly. Sources. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed. Indeed. I'll, I'll concede that one. All right. What else we got? Miami. Uh, Hoof cursed. I don't go know. Ahead, Anybody go ahead, speak up? The lane train is coming. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. 
bring with it your scandal, your NCAA investigation, your, you know, 63 points a game. Every quarterback is going to fight to go. Oh, it is going to be just like yeah. I want it to happen so bad that you and Nevin Shapiro. <laughs> yes. Hey, if Nevin ends up being right, look, we he he spawned our podcast spawned stories written like stories <laughs> about you what? quoting Nevin from text saying Lane's going to Miami, right? I mean, that's yeah, it was in the Jackson Clarion uh, ledger. There you go. Big story. I used to be a subscriber. I didn't resubscribe this year. Um, although Jackson State's been very good this year. Very, very good. Selling out that house, too. Looking like a good crowd down there. I, I would credit our insight, but really, what one of our listeners would not click on a Nevin Shapiro, Lane Kiffin headline, right? Yeah, that was <laughs> it. That, is, that is like, it's like... Pat the saying reaction. go to a beer after a long day of writing. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to get, I'm not going to fall for that headline. Nevin Shapiro <laughs> says he's leaving old, uh, Lane Kiffin will leave old Miss and come to Miami. That's what it said. People go, you made that story up. I didn't make it up. It's exactly what Nevin said. You can, <laughs> you can trust him or not. I don't know. I mean, uh, I bet no. Lane Kiffin himself clicked on that story. Let's see. Oh, I'm sure he did. Let's <laughs> just I'm, say I'm, this. I'm a little disappointed has, he didn't tweet it because he will tweet stories about himself on occasion. Yeah. So that is actually was telling the carousel. Like, it was interesting he didn't, I thought. Right. Uh, I nobody has denied <laughs> Nevin's scoop yet, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, Miami has not come out and said, oh, no, 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 we're not hiring him. And I haven't seen Lane go, oh, Miami, heck no. What's that? No, I don't want to go down there. Yeah, who's uh, the Miami so we'll AD going to be? Is that two in the weeds for or for a little for a little ill-fated game show here? Yeah, game show yes. setting uh, itself up for mockery. Tom, Matt Campbell is going to be the AD. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Jurich <laughs> hires Lane Kiffin at Miami. Let's do it. Let's Bring do it. it on. That would be All fun. Right. Yeah. Anybody got any? All right, we'll add one more. I don't know if anyone's got a a, a thing. Uh, Virginia Tech. I would love to see Virginia Tech hire Jamie Chadwell. Uh, although I would also say Jimmy, Jamie Chadwell's record in games that are not quarterbacked by Grayson McCall is less exciting. If he can bring Jason, uh, Grayson McCall with him for a year at uh, VT, that might get him off to a nice start. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there's you know plenty of other people that would want that job, but it's not I, we for reasons we discussed. Like if you don't control the Tidewater area, you don't you know hit it big in the DMV you can slide pretty badly. So I'm not sure that's a job that there's a bunch of great people clamoring for. Like if, if I'm Dave Clawson, I don't think I leave my nice little Shangri-La at Wake Forest for Virginia Tech. So I'm going to say Jamie Chadwell. Well, since I've I've really messed this game up quite a bit, I'm going to not follow Pat, even though I may feel that way. And I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to say Mike Elko gets the Virginia Tech job. Former assistant to Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, so he knows the ACC. Former assistant at Richmond, so he has the key recruiting ties. And look, Virginia Tech is an everyman job. Like, Clawson and his penny loafers don't quite fit at Virginia Tech. Mike Elko's an everyman. He's a Jersey guy. He's, uh, you know, he looks like a defensive coordinator should look like. And I think he knows enough of the recruiting relationships from his time at Richmond. He can go into the 757, which is the key recruiting area. He's been a big part of recruiting those monster classes at Texas A&M. Virginia Tech, which has had no identity under Justin Fuente, will suddenly get a hard hat, lunch-type identity again. So I think Mike Elko could really crush it there. It would take some creativity 
and a little bit of insight to see it. Yeah, no, I like I, I like that. And I, he could bring back the, the Bud Foster lunch pail for sure. Yes. Yes. And really, why not hire a guy if he can just bring back like a like a sideline prop? <laughs> Long before the turnover chain, the lunch pail was a staple on the sideline. Not bad. All right. Uh, TCU. I'll do one more after. That. I, I lied about the one more. Done deal, right? I mean, we're all, I think uh, we're, we're all expecting Sonny Dykes. I think Pete reported that that's imminent, and uh, that's definitely been the expectation. Yeah, and Rhett Lashley's already lined up to replace him. So, like, there's there's literally, like, they're both looking for staffs right now this week. Rhett for SMU and uh, and Sonny for, uh, for, for TCU. It is, uh, yes, that will be the least surprising coach announcement of all time. They haven't run a coaching search at TCU in, like, 22 years. And they have no idea how anticlimactic it's. They're gonna have like a press conference, and we're gonna be like, "Oh, he isn't like they haven't trotted him out yet. He um, isn't there yet." Yeah, yeah. Though I, I actually thought it was so obvious that they might just like SMU <laughs> might be like, "Hey, man, you just want to go?" Like it's just been that obvious and awkward uh, this week. But they are, uh, they are sputtering through. It's like uh, like those kids that show up to ask the girl to the prom or something with the sign, <laughs> like you, know, you, you know. Yeah. You've seen those things? The promposal. Oh, yeah. You like, don't want to show up with do- the sign unless you know what the answer is going to yeah, be. Yeah, because you'd be absolutely – I mean, talk about humiliation, right? You know, right? It's like the, the in-stadium wedding proposal's gone wrong. Yeah, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in-stadium. You don't want to just throw that one out there and, and hope, right? That's going to be humiliating. Um, all right, you know what? Let me bring this up. Uh, this is a name that, for some reason, I got asked a few times on radio this week, and Kirk Herbstreet kind of mentioned uh, – he threw it out there slightly – although not quite what he's saying, but Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly, you know, could Brian Kelly go to USC? Could Brian Kelly go to Florida? Brian Kelly has all of a sudden, uh, I think people are looking and realizing how good of a coach he is. And something we've long noted here, if nothing else, uh, uh, certainly of late, they beat all the teams they're supposed to beat, which will often keep you a job. I keep telling people there's no way Brian Kelly's leaving Notre Dame. And my reasoning is recruiting class in 2022 or 2021 class of 2022, but the one he's about to sign and then the one he has already building for the class of 2023 are better than any two recruiting classes that he's ever had at Notre Dame. And I think these playoff appearances and then certainly the addition of Marcus Freeman as his defensive coordinator has changed the dynamic of recruiting at Notre Dame where Brian Kelly is not sitting there saying, Hey, maybe I'll give something else a try. It's like, Hey man, I might be able to make a run here. I don't know if we can win the title, but maybe. And so I don't think he's going anywhere. But this name keeps coming up. I don't know why. Uh, any thought of Brian Kelly being a candidate anywhere here? So it's interesting. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit's brought it up a couple times. And Kirk Herbstreit's very plugged in to the point where Brian Kelly had to deny that he would go anywhere. And he did so pretty vociferously this week by saying, basically like channeled the Mike Tomlin quote uh, about like somebody would, he said, he would have to have a fairy godmother offer, I believe, and then have to check with his wife <laughs> beforehand. So, here's my here's my take on on, on Brian Kelly, who I've known for uh, I've known for a long time. Brian Kelly basically trudged through eight years at Notre Dame to help like build it up. Now, I don't mean trudge by like he was miserable there, but that was hard. Like they they were behind in facilities, they were behind. They didn't even have like separate eating areas for the players. Like he is basically pushed a rock uphill to the point now where he's going to have a bad team that could make the playoff this year. Like they're 11 and one. They're not that good. They're not terrible, but like they are just like he has done the work to get this thing humming at a level where it really hasn't been since the wheelhouse holds days. 
and I believe Brian's 58. Would he leave to go push the boulder up the hill somewhere else? Or would he, like Dan pointed out, enjoy the fruits of what he has built and done? Like, it's it's not easy for Brian Kelly, but the harder parts have been taken care of, and he has fought through the harder parts. So it's my instinct that, look, everybody likes to be flirted with, everybody likes to be looked at a little, but I don't see Brian leaving. I see him retiring at Notre Dame. And he said that he said that to me on the record. And again, guys change their minds and all that stuff. But I really feel like this is Brian Kelly's last stop. I believe him. And uh, yeah, when he goes to LSU in two weeks, I look forward to someone on an LSU blog taking the audio of that and mocking me. So, <laughs> uh, no, I agree completely. I think I think he has <laughs> he has reached a comfortable place, and not just a comfortable place, but a winning place, a big time winning place. You win ten games now every year, sometimes eleven, sometimes twelve. Yes, you cited the recruiting. It's all working. I don't see him having a lot of interest in going elsewhere. The you know the dynamics I see involved in this are a couple of things. First of all, we have now reached a point this year, coming off of a coming off the pandemic year when nobody had any money and there was doom and gloom and my God, how are we even going to turn the lights on with all the money we're losing? To now, it's just an explosion of salary. We have reached that next level. You know where it used to be. Like seven, six million was crazy. And then all of a sudden we got to eight and nine. And now we're going to go over that per year. And so if you're sitting there and your agent's sitting there saying, dude, you're in the top 10 with a team that shouldn't be. Let's go. Let's go kick some tires and just see if that what more money we can get. Uh, and let's just make sure that, that, that we are achieving peak marketability out there at a time when we can. Uh, I don't think it's more than that. I agree. I th- and I thought what Brian Kelly said Threw a lot of cold water on it. When you go, when you cite the Mike Tomlin line, you're you're pretty well saying I ain't leaving. The other thing too, and I love Kirk Herbstreet a lot. I remember from the days at ESPN in 2007 when he swore he was never going to report coaching news again. He should probably just stick with not reporting coaching news again. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I just I think the recruiting's so good right now that this is what he's always wanted. I mean, and and they don't Notre Dame always has good players. They have lots of four star. You know, some guys that make the top 100 to 200, those kind of guys. They they rarely get the rivals top 100, which is basically like top three draft picks through third round draft pick, let alone top 20, 30 guys. They've got two top 30s committed as the junior class. They got a bunch of top hundreds. This class could rank in the top five nationally. We'll see as it pans out. But this is way better. And I just think like if I'm him, I'm like, this is going great. I love my I hope. There, Notre Dame's got to hope Marcus Freeman doesn't leave. Right. Um, that's that's a key a thing. because Very key. Yeah. I mean, he's young, real young, but boy, he's done ex- impressive work at Notre Dame and before that at Cincinnati, and he can recruit too. Uh, you know, and I wonder if it's like, hey, man, I'm going to coach this out. You hang out here a few years, and you can be the Notre Dame coach. I don't, you know, something like that. But uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. So I, I just don't think he's going. But he, his name keeps coming up, so we will see. Anything could happen out there. Uh, I'll tell you a place that uh, is not open that we all thought maybe should be. Uh, it's Nebraska. Scott Frost will be back three and eight. They did a thing in the Omaha paper. Dirk Chatelaine of the uh, Omaha paper does a great job. Uh, decided to go down the rabbit hole and figure out because because they've lost all eight games by like a touchdown or less or something. Is is the is the twenty twenty one Nebraska Cornhuskers the greatest three win team ever? And um, yeah. <laughs> 
This is what they're doing in Nebraska right now for, in their spare time. They should just watch the same movie again. That <laughs> well, they, they do. That's why Scott Frost stars in it. It's the last yes. champion. Yeah. Um, that's why he's back. Uh, and he concluded he was. So congratulations, Nebraska Cornhuskers. That's like the UConn 2020 National Championship, uh, New York <laughs> Times. Uh, the Omaha, <laughs> you're the greatest three-win team. Um, unimpressed was a, uh, was a, was a man named Milton A. Munson Jr. Milton A. Munson Jr. Uh, he's a 73 year old, uh, native of Nebraska who, uh, unfortunately passed away last week. And, uh, there was a, uh, obituary in the, uh, in the paper and, uh, I'll just read you some of it. The grim reality, this is on the cause of death of, of poor Milton. The grim reality of the Nebraska Cornhuskers finishing yet another season with a losing record proved to be too much to bear for Milton Andrew Munson, (laughs) who decided he'd seen enough of this world during the team's recent bye week. (laughs) This is literally his family put out there. The Huskers may not have seen him into the afterlife with a victory, but at least they didn't lose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that seems to be the Nebraska attitude this year. Oh, we didn't lose on bye week or, oh, we didn't lose by too much. Poor Milton. Sometimes that's the best you can hope for. That is what the, the it says. Yeah, Milton apparently just gave up on life because uh, the Huskers suck. Um, Isn't that the line from the gambler, Dan? The best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. <laughs> the best you can hope for is to die in a bye week. Is that the new <laughs> Nebraska refrain? <laughs> Man, life is grim in Nebraska. It's tough out there on the plains. I mean, it's like, ah, F it. These guys are never going to get good. I'm just going to die. Uh, memorial services will be at 1 p.m. Wednesday, November 24th at the Livingston Butler Voland Funeral Home in Hastings. In lieu of flowers, please place an irresponsibly large wager on Nebraska beating Iowa. That's his his request from the grave. (laughs) I want to go to this funeral and especially the wake thereafter, you know? People are going to be tailgating that sucker. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Wednesday at 1 in Hastings, Nebraska, a pastor... Joel Remmers will be officiating. Um, I may show. You know, <laughs> uh, Nebraska's a one and a half point underdog against Iowa. So there's a hun- one plus 105 on the money line and bet MGM. So Milton, I wish I had known you, buddy. You're, <laughs> you're all right in my book, man. That's a funny ass obituary. <laughs> and really, got- if it's going to be irresponsible, you can't take the point and a half. You've got to bet the money line, right? <laughs> like, let's be honest here. If someone's like, ah, we could lose. 1716. No. <laughs> Milton doesn't want your point and a half. All right. No, you got to bet straight up. I, I absolutely love it. Don't send flowers. I'm dead. I don't need a flower. <laughs> I hope you make some money on the Huskers. Maybe they'll pull it out. I agree with him there. I want, all right. So I'm looking now. Hastings, there's an aqua court pool in Hastings. There's the Children's Museum of Central Nebraska. <laughs> there's a lot of places I could hit after the funeral. It's, uh, you know, it's out there. It's kind of near Grand Island, not far from Kearney. I bet there's a grain elevator. I bet, I bet there's more than one. Looks like <laughs> you're maybe, you know, an hour or two due west from Lincoln. So we might have to we might have to all go and place a wager for Milton. Fan of the year candidate.
All right. One last thing we want to we want to um, wrap up from last week when uh, which is it's just an ongoing saga. Uh, Coach Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri just trying to find ways to be relevant in the SEC. And I love it. We're here for you. Uh, he's, he's causing strife with with Florida. Uh, obviously, there's a huge bench clearing brawl last year uh, between the two teams. There was a lot of belief that Dan Mullen was egging it on. Dan Mullen d- disagreed with that, decided to wear a Darth Vader. I, I'm t- this is a college football podcast. This story is so absurd. But this is, this is all true. This is all true. Okay. <laughs> People are like, where do you get the material for this show? I just, <laughs> just provides it. So, yeah. so after the brawl, people were on Mullen. So Mullen dressed up as Darth Vader to try to, like, I don't know what, defuse it. And then Missouri beats uh, Florida this year. So Drinkwitz dresses up as, as I don't know what, Obi-Wan Kenobi or somebody or Luke Skywalker. And 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 as he defeated the Darth Vader, I guess Skywalker defeated him. Uh, and then uh, it goes on, and then Mullen gets fired because that's just damn embarrassing. Uh, so, <laughs> so Drinkwitz isn't done though. He's he he's explaining the irony of beating the Gators and Mullen after last year's near brawl. I mean, he's dancing on the grave here. He's dancing on the grave. My father was a farmer. That's always, that's good. That's gonna play well in Missouri. Okay, my father was a farmer. This is Coach Drinkwitz, and there's an old saying. You reap what you sow. First off, you don't have to be a farmer to hear that. Okay. <laughs> no, you. I heard that in you know Colorado Springs <laughs> when I was growing Isn't up. That too. in the Bible? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like knee high by the Fourth of July, man. Yeah. Okay. That the farmer bits is playing up to the crowd. I know what you're doing. Uh, is continues. If you sow kindness, you reap kindness. If you sow jackass, <laughs> you reap jackass. <laughs> I think it's called podcast tagline. Ooh. It really yeah. should be. It should this be. Is, this is better than, than Jim Harbaugh, philosopher Jim Harbaugh, saying there was a winner, there was a non-winner, but the real winner was football. Football. Uh, Coach Drinkwitz, that's deep, man. I could not Farm- have seen the next Steve Spurrier coming from him when he was hired. I'll be the first one to say that. And Yeah, like he's, got, uh, he's, he's got good. a little sass to him for sure. They, they win, and, and he gets a little chesty, which is great. You know, but yeah, little, yeah, a little farm wisdom, little farm justice dispensed in Columbia, Missouri. That was say that uh, Mullen's got to be pissed. Oh, he would want that. I mean, it's easy now to be like, hold me back. He's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, throw all the jabs you want. If you give me 12 million to walk out the door, I, I got to say, I'm sure he's kicking his feet up in his Jordans. Uh, I mean, these guys <laughs> are already they're already loaded. That's the thing. Yeah, just don't get boring, Drinkwitz. Like, stay interesting. You know, yeah. we need more inflammatory quotes. I hope he inspires a generation of people who just hurl insults at their competitors because that's really what we need. Like, if he said, we'll take it one game at a time against the Gators, I don't think that would be very Yeah, good. not to mention you have our old provocateur Lane Kippen going down there and saying, oh, you do- you can't hate somebody because they went to a different school bullshit. You, that's exactly <laughs> what you're supposed to do. Come on, Lane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the Lane Leach combo in the Egg Bowl is, is a big letdown so far. They need to get back to who they are and what that rivalry is. Agree. Pretty pathetic. Let's let's get some let's get maybe something will happen this week. Leach is never afraid to to yeah. mix it up. Like he Absolutely. gets he gets into it. Lane's a little more passive aggressive. It's a little oh, more yeah. passive aggressive. No. Lane's can very you, passive. Can you imagine like 10 years from now, someone's going to say, who was the coach in the Egg Bowl when the dog leg got lifted? And it's going to be really hard to come up with Matt, Luke, and Joe Moorhead. 
Like it's going to be like you really like no casual college football fan is going to be able to pull those two out of the Bureau of Obscurity. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's where, see, that's where a great ride of the Egg Bowl elevates obscure people to great positions. <laughs> it they was were both that, fired in the month. <laughs> no, that was that, 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 the dog peeing incident, which happened in what, the 19? Was that the yeah, 2019? Right? 2019. So, it was the same year as the pacemaker punch. I mean, we were loaded that year. We, 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 we did not we have didn't to know try how hard. good we had it. No, yeah, we didn't. Elijah <laughs> Moore storylines <laughs> for reasons unbeknown to anyone. He decided to celebrate the touchdown by pretending to take a leak like a dog. He went down on all fours, lifted his leg. I don't know how this is a celebration that would be like, "Hey, I'm proud of myself," or "Look at me." I don't know. <laughs> right, like you know, the back, whatever you come up with. Uh, I guess he was just peeing on Starkville because that's what he thinks uh, of it. You know, like just, uh, they were they were they were mocking the dogs, the bulldogs. You know, was, why is it a, a surprise that dogs pee? Well, like, well this was dog- a previous Ole Miss receiver had done the same thing a couple of years earlier. Yes. Might have been DK Metcalf. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. all right. So this is their thing. It was the most consequential fake dog pee in history. <laughs> But the funniest part about that is it's right. Literally tens of (laughs) millions of dollars traded hands over one lifted leg. It was. Joe Moorhead got fired too. Like tons of kids decommitted from Ole Miss. Yeah, because of the game, the Rebels were going to go to a bowl. Instead, Mississippi State reached the bowl. But Mississippi State didn't want to go to the bowl because they wanted to fire Joe Moorhead uh, and just went on and on and on. And and, uh, it just, yeah. It was great. It was great. I, Hopefully we do it again. I am now like really mad that I didn't devote an entire quarter to the 40 yard dash to the reverberations from that single incident because Matt Luke and Joe Moorhead lose their jobs. Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach arrive. Nick Rolovich goes to Washington State to ultimately commit career suicide. Willie Taggart shows up in Florida Atlantic to take Lane Kiffin's place. I mean, a lot of stuff happened because of one guy lifting his leg in the end zone on Thanksgiving night. It was amazing. All right, let's get to these games. There's a couple big games. Maybe you heard. Yeah. Maybe you heard this week. A little dust up going down in Ann Arbor this weekend. Ohio State, 10 and 1. Michigan, 10 and 1. Winner goes to the Big Ten championship game and stays alive for this playoff. Doesn't get any bigger than this. Ohio State is absolutely rolling right now. Pass offense is sixth in the country. Uh, they look tremendous. Michigan looks good. They had the loss up at uh at East Lansing, but that was a very, very close loss. Credit to Jim Harbaugh. Most people wanted fired last year or this or that. Hey, here they are. They got a chance. We'll see if they all still love them in uh, Saturday about four o'clock. <laughs> but uh, for now, Harbaugh's done what he's needed to do. Wolverines are still alive. We will pick this game on the race for the case, which will come out Wednesday, a little early. Okay. Cause I know you guys are driving all over the place for Thanksgiving and all that. Um, so check it out on, on Wednesday, but uh, thoughts on this game, Pat. Yeah. I mean, I'm so happy to have this game be a big deal again because it's just awesome when it is. You know, it's that is one of the best parts of college football when Ohio State and Michigan meet on artificial turf under a slate gray sky in cold temperatures uh, Thanksgiving weekend. My thoughts are this. Winner is damn close to going to the playoff. 
You know, I mean, you win this and you have just about punched your ticket. You just have to not throw up in the Big Ten championship game. Loser, not necessarily out. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, you could maybe try to come up with a way that that could happen. Some things would obviously have to fall into place. But third thing, Michigan, if you are 10-0 against everybody but your two biggest rivals, is that still a great season? I think it's a good season. I think it's good enough that you can walk away from this and say, hey, we're back at least to being good. We weren't the embarrassment we were last year, and we've improved from the two or three years prior to that. And then the fourth thing, though, I mean, like, if Ohio State just continues rolling Michigan, though, at some point, like, where, I mean, does do Michigan fans just have to settle for the fact that we are not just second banana, but we're a distant second banana in that league? And then we, we can get into the game itself uh, in the race for the case. Yeah, all, uh, all the, the, the variants of potential outcomes here are more fascinating than this game's been in a while. Did you go to the 1-2 game, Pat, uh, Lloyd Carr, the Dead Schembechler game when Bo yes, died that week? sure did. Okay. I sat next to Dan Wetzel in the press box. That's right. That's uh, right. Mm-hmm. I try to forget that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that was early in my career, one of those big, high stakes, just like monster games that you, you know, like just you could... You could feel it, and uh, it's extremely exciting to have Ohio State and Michigan uh, at this level again. Dan will be going this week because I am not going. And uh, are you, know, you coming, when- Pat? I'm not. I would have told you, and we would have uh, like eaten in Jackson, Mississippi, Michigan. But no, I'm I'm going to be at the Iron Bowl with Pete. This is going to d- disappoint some of my friends. I, this has been a very depressing week for me. And numerous friends ask whether Pat is coming so I could bring them to the ah, tailgate. How about that? <laughs> See. <laughs> I'm your cool friend that you can bring me to make you look cooler. I'm like, Pat. And they're like, yeah, he's our favorite, my favorite guy in the podcast. I'm like, what? What is this? Yeah. The competition isn't very good, by the way. <laughs> well, they're supposed to be my friend. <laughs> they hear your shtick all the time. They need some new stuff. I see. I could give them that. Pat and I will continue. I like your friends awkward... more now. Yeah. Pat and I will continue our awkward tradition of having a mandate in, on the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend in Columbus, Georgia. So for dinner. So if anyone has any good places open late for dinner in Columbus, Georgia, Apple we is. are wide open. Um, it is a bit of an old podcast joke. Pat loves Columbus, Georgia. I mean, he loves it. Loves it something fierce. And uh, we'll talk about how when we drive to Auburn the next day, we like gain an hour and then lose it going back. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, yeah. yeah. That We've Chattahoochee done this River, man, it does stuff. Yep. <laughs> yes. Pat, Pat will refuse to, to use GPS. He goes to Auburn just by feel. So, yeah, we've, 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 had, this, we've had this moment. We've also seen some pretty good football games, too. Uh, you guys yeah. just get lost in the woods of Alabama. Have you not seen my cousin Vinny? This is going to be like a remake. Pat and Pete get arrested in Beecher County. Yeah. Yeah, we also walk into the stadium with our eyes down, not making eye contact with anyone. Oh, there, yeah. there ain't a lot of people there that are like rolling yeah. out the carpet for you and I. Yeah, nobody wants to meet Pat and I in Auburn, Alabama. That's uh, that is that is very certain. Bring your own so. toilet paper. <laughs> uh, well, my friends will, will they'll live on. They'll just drink more. Uh, all right. Anyway, what was the Pat? What were you? Who was saying something? I was, was talking about the, something. I was talking about the game, and then I started. Oh, asking the, the game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a big game, so we should yes. discuss this. Yes, I do think like, and we'll get into the game and breaking it down. I did a story on Yahoo this week where I talked to like seven coaches who played Michigan this year and why they've turned around and how they've turned around. It has been a remarkable turnaround. We've covered it on this podcast. 
all their credits, Harbaugh, the new coaches, the new schemes. I mean, they are a completely different football program than they were last year. And you don't overhaul both sides of the ball and have it work very often like it has for them. So a lot of credit to uh, a lot of credit to Michigan. I still do think it is fascinating. Um, there's a scenario, and we'll pick the game where Ohio State wins by 21. So what if you do all this work and you're still kind of in the same place? Uh, Pat mentioned second banana like that. That would be pretty interesting. Now, I think Michigan fans are just happy to be back to like baseline functional. That means like you shouldn't get railroaded by Wisconsin like they did a couple years ago or, uh, you know, have Rutgers take you to overtime. So this rehab, this is a fascinating litmus test of the Harbaugh rehab because this rehab has gotten them back to where they should be. And this will be the biggest measure of progress for how far they need to go. Agree. This is uh, obviously it's a huge opportunity for Michigan because everything's on the line. I think unlike Ohio State, you don't think every year you're going to have that opportunity, maybe. Uh, Michigan, though, uh, that loss to Michigan State was painful, but here we are. Harbaugh's doing what's reasonable there. I've, I've said this before. The thing with Michigan, and I think what both some Michigan fans don't get, and then a lot of fans around the country maybe don't realize, is the folklore doesn't match the history. The folklore of Michigan football is it's one of the best programs in the country and it's a national championship program and contend for national championships and all this stuff. That just has never been the case. It's one, one that shared a title since, I don't know what, like the forties, one title, uh, Bo Schembechler never won a, a big, a, a national title. Uh, he was terrible in the Rose bowl when he was playing anyone other than the big 10, he wasn't that good. Then, you know, you know who else has one title since then? Like in the last 40 years, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech, Colorado, yeah. Colorado. Are these are these teams you go, oh, Georgia Tech's got to win a national championship. Now, Michigan's better than that. But uh, and even that 97, I'm not going to disparage that team. And they had Charles Woodson on it. Uh, so they were good. But like that was then like they, they won the Big Ten and then they got to play Washington State in the Rose Bowl. That ain't the way it works anymore. You know, you're going to get the double barrel of Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, something like that. So, you know, obviously he hasn't gotten there. He needs to do better. But the reality of Michigan is a really nice football program and they do really well and all of that. But this this, you know, belief that like it's championships or nothing just isn't based on on what the reality of the school and the and the and the talent base and all that stuff. Uh, is and so that's why I think it sometimes gets confusing for people who are like, well, Michigan should be Ohio State. Ohio State, it's a different level of of care, and so it's just different. So Harbaugh's done a nice job, but you don't want to end. You don't want to come out of this and be like, we lost to Michigan State, we lost to Ohio State. You know, so he's in a. It's a weird game. But that said, he's he's a big underdog. So there's a lot on this beyond just oh my goodness, we can we can get to the Big Ten title and win and get to the playoff. There's there's a lot of it. Harbaugh came back to settle family business, and, and he hadn't settled any family business. Yeah, he's no, he, got, he's not gone Michael Corleone on on the uh, the other crime families in the Big Ten yet. He yeah, is not. But that, that remains is still, yeah, he's undone. Still alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he needs to shoot Mo Green in the eye. Uh, <laughs> all right. The, be, uh, the, um, the, the game in, uh, you guys are going to go to the Iron Bowl. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on what's all there? I mean, Auburn losing takes a little heat out of it, but it, crazy things happen when this game is in uh, is on the planes. Yeah, no, it does, and that I mean, Pete and I have been there for some of the crazy, uh, and I just you 
you never discount that. That's it. The game in Jordan Hare, where the, the again the atmosphere there for this game is as intense as any atmosphere you will go see on a regular, you know, basis. It just it is that way every single time. It is deafening. It is super intense, and so you got to be ready to play. And Alabama has been wobbly against several not very good teams. You know they. Scraped by Arkansas by a touchdown. They scraped by LSU by a touchdown. They scraped by a Florida team that it turns out was not very good. So, you know, it's not like they're just going to go in and I think and just steamroll Auburn here. Although Auburn, all right, Bo Nix is out. Brian Harson, <laughs> in classic Auburn fashion, has has already gotten a bunch of people mad at him, and you know they're grumbling about that down there. Uh, but you know, I think if you're Alabama. You need to, you know, you're still, the main thing you got to do is just really actually just survive this game and then get to Georgia and hope that you can summon a great game and beat the Bulldogs. So this is really just a survive and advance game. But, you know, I think that most all of us, certainly I would place them well behind uh, Ohio State right now. I would put them behind Cincinnati you know, I would put them no higher than fourth in terms of the playoff rankings at this point. They've got some proving to do, frankly. I don't know. Again, this—they, I don't know. They—they they have to prove it this weekend, but they will in Atlanta the week after that. Yeah, I. Uh, this has been talent-wise, you would think Auburn has a chance here. It's a home game. That's always been a difficult place to play. A month ago, I would have told you Brian Harson was off to an okay start. You know, he lost that Penn State, but they were still a factor in the West. October thirtieth, Auburn's coming off the Old Miss game. They thumped Arkansas at Arkansas. They beat Ole Miss pretty handily at home. And you're thinking this first year under Brian Harson is, is going to be okay. You know, they had a tough loss at Penn State, close call against Georgia State, but figured out a way to uh, pull it out, gutted out that win at LSU that sent Ed Orgeron to the cooler. And you know what? They didn't beat Georgia, but they, they didn't think they were going to beat Georgia. And I would have thought, you know, boy, Brian Harson's really made some strides. And then they have just completely been swallowed whole disappeared on offense at texas a&m they gacked up the 28-3 lead at home against mississippi state and then uh, they lost at south carolina which you never want to do if you're an sec west school so i would have thought a month ago that you could argue that auburn would have been you know what a two three point underdog in this game you maybe even could have said because the home field and it is a wonderful atmosphere and a significant home field advantage you would have thought you know, it would have been crazy if they were a one-point favorite going into this game because Alabama had looked pedestrian at times. And still, this is not – this is a very mortal Alabama team. Young quarterback, defense is just okay. Offensive line isn't Maulers. They have good skill, but they don't have the skill they used to have. So – but, boy, just Auburn has fallen off. But I will say this about this rivalry. They'll, they'll take a three-game losing streak at Auburn if it means beating Alabama and ruining their hopes and dreams. And that is what makes rivalry weak and the hatred of this – so special. So I guarantee Jordan Hare will be a cauldron like it usually is, and I am fired up to go. But it's what you make of Auburn. If if Brian Harson loses this game 42 to 3, that's gonna be interesting. Like, because Auburn, they fire coordinators for sport there, right? That's just part of what they do. And so it'd be or hard they try to, to fire head coaches and replace them with coordinators they like. That's another yes. thing they do for sport. Yes. Yes. Well, so, this is what got them in the problem in the first place. If they kept malls on, they'd probably be doing better. It's like Texas. They're like the mini Texas. They got worse because they changed coaches. Yeah, yeah. Right now, 
you will not say that Brian Harson is an upgrade over Gus Malzahn. The recruiting trail has been a disaster for Auburn under Brian Harson so far. That can change, and there's certainly things built in at Auburn that can help you change them. But right now, I believe they're 12 or 13, depending on uh, depending on your recruiting service in the SEC. That's a problem because you have to beat Georgia and you have to beat Alabama, and you are not doing it with inferior players. Like this is this isn't the Mountain West. You need dudes and. Look what happened to Dan Mullen when he didn't have enough dudes. So um, I could see Brian Harson gutting through this and really starting next year on the hot seat. I could also see like a job like Arizona State opens and the pool is so limited that he hightails it back to the West Coast at a place that would take him. Yeah, Washington would be another. I just don't think he's at this, this he record. He ain't going to Washington. Yeah, this record and all that. And so, yeah, yeah. but I, I agree. We'll see what that uh, that that heads with that. Um, people always, uh, you know, I, I know you guys get this too. They always ask like, wh- where should I go watch a game? Like a, you know, guys weekend family. And, and, you know, like the obvious sec ones, Alabama, LSU, Auburn. It's a great place to watch a game. It is. I mean, it is underrated. It's as good as anything. And, uh, you know, it's closer to Atlanta. Not sure. It's easy to get a hold. You're going to end up in Columbus, Columbus, Georgia, baby. Yeah. But, <laughs> Also, honorary spot for the Columbus Chamber of Commerce has been sealed. It it is one of those (laughs) cities that you're like, oh, Columbus, Georgia, what? And you you think it's like, and then you get there and you're like, it's it's actually pretty nice over here. Nice little downtown, nice little Marriott looking over the Chattahoochee, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Give him the key to the city, Uh, baby. uh, (laughs) Casey, pat on the billboard. Look uh, over the Chattahoochee. <laughs> all I know is I believe this will be the last game of my uh, my one of my all time favorites, Smoke Monday, oh, for Auburn. Yeah. I mean, I, Smoke Monday is one of the great names. I said last year, Smoke Monday was my favorite football player, and then uh, Rocket Watts, the basketball player <laughs> yeah. from Michigan State, he didn't do too well. Smoke's what a about Cavassier? What team is Cavassier on? Cavassier Smoke is uh, yes. Kentucky running back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can just transfer to the SEC East, Dan. There you go. Pick pick a different smoke. Smoke. I'm good with smoke. Smoke Monday. I mean, you just like, you name your kid Smoke Monday. He better be fast. (laughs) He's going to be an Auburn cornerback. It's all done. Safety, whatever. Smoke and go, man. Smoke him if you got him. Smoke him. He can do it. Louisiana Tech has a smoke, too, by the way, which is (laughs) smoke's getting popular, huh? Yeah. James Franklin, 10-year contract agreed to per reports. Uh, Oh, there you go. Minutes ago. Yep. The game has already blown up on us. Yeah, got big surprise. That's that's the carousel. Yeah, that's the carousel. Uh, All right, the other game, uh, Bedlam. Uh, This one's always wild. It's literally called Bedlam. (laughs) Uh, Oklahoma, it's in Stillwater, too, where the Bedlam is really Bedlam. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, and there is all on the line. Both have just one loss. Both can win the head to the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 championship game. Uh, I think Oklahoma State is in regardless. So we would have, uh, I think Pat called it uh, Bedlam and Son of Bedlam if Oklahoma wins this. If not, Oklahoma State gets Baylor and and I think is very much in this playoff chase. I think they're going to have a resume that makes Cincinnati real nervous. But this game is nasty. It's wild. It's it's fun. The mullet is going to be flowing. It's extra special when there's so much on the line. Another great one. It's not getting the attention of Ohio State, Michigan, but this is just as uh, just as big for the playoff. Almost. Pat, thoughts on Bedlam? Yeah, uh, biggest game of Mike Gundy's career. Period. That's my thought on it. They have the better team. They should win. They are at home, and this may be the last time Oklahoma comes to Stillwater till who knows when. 
depending on when they evacuate to the SEC. Oh, Mike Gundy has terrible. been. I know. They give the game it, up. Yeah, it's terrible. But guess what's going to happen? Like, you know, a bunch of rivalry games are going to get smoke Monday. We're going to get Texas. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get Texas, Texas A&M back, I guess. But yeah, we'll <laughs> get that. But we'll miss some other stuff. So Mike Gundy has been owned by Oklahoma. I mean, he has been pummeled in this series. He's lost some close ones, but he's lost a lot of blowouts. And now with the playoff kind of looming on the horizon with a Big 12 championship that Oklahoma State's never played in, you're going to get to that. But you win this one and you take out Oklahoma and you give them that boot out the door. Fine. You want to leave the conference? Your last game in Stillwater, we're going to kick you in the teeth and you're not going to play for the Big 12 championship. And we are? Oh, boy. That's a lot of big stuff for the Cowboys. And again, I do believe they have the better team here this time. He's got to win this game, I think. I mean, it's not like he's going to get fired. But in terms of Mike Gundy, you know, if you want to be go down as the greatest coach in Oklahoma State history, you better win this one. Yeah, well, if we needed to do like a hate-o-meter of, uh, you know, there's a lot of hate normally in this game, right? But this year, with everything, you know, Oklahoma is going to play the spoiler in some ways. Oklahoma State certainly feels like a second-class citizen with Oklahoma bailing. Because remember, the last round of realignment, it was Oklahoma can't leave without Oklahoma State. No, no. Peace out. Smoke Monday. So the uh, <laughs> the, the the amount of hate in this game, in this stadium, you, you like that's one of these rivalries where there are a lot of like split marriages between Cowboys and Sooners. That is like, it is intertwined as deeply in that. And this is like, this is going to be, Oklahoma going to the SEC is going to be like the nastiest divorce. Like both of them are going to get uh, divert, divorce lawyers from billboards. And they're just, they're just going to go, they're just going to go at it. Like these, oh, so that, like, yeah. I have never been to Bedlam football, Pat, have you? Yes, one time, but it was anticlimactic. You know, it was like Oklahoma won by three touchdowns. Okay. Um, been but to the, basketball. But I've been to a was, bunch yeah. of the basketballs. Yeah, yeah basketball's been I, good. Well, and I, I did go in um, in Stillwater, and the thing, much like the basketball arena there, the stands are on Ooh, top yeah. of the field. So it can get really raucous and intense. So it should be really good Saturday night. I got to say, I mean, Oklahoma State's a fine university, but I'd be really nervous about like their their like engineering department or their construction because they, they forgot the sideline. <laughs> like. Both so of like them. Six, both, I know this Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are the two tightest sidelines in the country. It's like six inches of room over there. Like yeah. what guys are just plowing into brick walls and stuff like that. Like what? <laughs> Grow them tough out here. Yeah. Got this. Got this kid from the east side. Not like they have a whole lot of space in Oklahoma. No planes yeah. there. You could build a giant. Yeah. The the basketball stadium is like on the is in the end zone. It's like you got yeah. you got got all the sweeping planes. Like spread it out, boys. <laughs> Jeez, the east side of Enid. Is there a really like an east side and a west side to Enid, or is it just all one side? <laughs> Dude, there's I mean, an I guess east and a west be, side. Right? To, there's an east and a west side to everything. Your living room has an east side and a west side. It just depends how you move the marker. Yeah. Well, you don't mess you, with the east side of Enid. Man. I guess Look at, this is the outsiders country, man. They, they, they 
the socks and the greasers. Like, they, they've been fighting for years around there. They just stab each other and Pony Boy and Soda Pop. I mean, you don't know what's going on in Oklahoma. You just don't. None of us will ever know. Things just happen. The guy with the mullet who's like total whack job is like the best coach. And the other guys try to be a brainy. That's not going to work. I don't know. Just go to Eskimo Joe's and get drunk. <laughs> I'm looking actually here at the map, and it, it does appear to be a pretty east-west uh, town, okay, on 412. <laughs> so, I'm oh, there there is a place that's marked North End. So, you know, I don't know if that's hometown the good side. of uh, hometown of the, the of Don Haskins, the late great Don Haskins. So that's how I, I there you I go. Okay, it. yeah, there you go. Uh, I know. I will say this: I, I hate to end our, our our local geography lesson in the 405, but. Uh, if you have a like gluttonous Thanksgiving and then a debaucherous day after Thanksgiving and roll out of bed around 1115 on Saturday, you're going to have some pretty good football. That's going to be a pretty good day of football to watch, right? Because I believe you can go Ohio State, Michigan at noon, Alabama, Auburn at 330 and then Bedlam at night and other very good games all thrown in. But that's like if you are if you're going to pick one day to be prone, that's a pretty good day to be prone. That's pretty Absolutely. good. I just like mentioning obscure towns because I'll, I'll I'll get like a I'll get a message from someone from Enid like, dude, I, you mentioned our city. Like I, I've been listening to I listen to a hundred hours of podcasts a week. I've never heard anyone even acknowledge Enid exists. It exists. Wait, you get one of two responses. Yes, somebody who's tickled that their town gets mentioned, or then somebody you didn't por- accurately portray the uh, civic <laughs> charms yeah, of that's our true, city. That's true. It's a great what, place what to raise South a family. Enid? You're talking about yeah. East yeah. and West yeah. Enid all the time. Biased, biased East Enid. It's a great place to raise a family, man. Well, you know what? If it was that great, more people would move there. <laughs> there would be more families. Yeah. <laughs> Great sunsets. Everyone's got that. Where the hell is the sunset bad? That's what I want to know. Where's there a bad sunset? Beijing, where the, it's all just smog. That's okay. It. Yes. You won't hear me telling anyone to move to Beijing. I got to go the there. The sunset Columbus, Eddie. Georgia, when it goes over the Chattahoochee. Oh, that <laughs> is lyrical. I'm telling you. Great sunsets. Uh, all right. That's our pod. We'll be back to, to pick the games. You look at got to spend some time with your family on thursday you'll build up the hate keep it keep it keep it in we don't have family fights but then just unleash unleash it out into the world as we get all these games whatever starting eight o'clock eight o'clock thursday night with the egg ball let use the hashtag cfe we want to hear your hatred let's let's get it yeah bring it on hashtag cfe keep subscribing Uh, our audience grows every single week it's amazing keep telling your friends about us we really really appreciate y'all and uh we will talk to you later